This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable. I'm exhausted. It's 1 p.m., on Friday, and I'm just now getting out of bed. I usually get up every day around 6 o'clock, no later than 6.30. I'm out of the bed. I was tired. I checked my app the other day. I've walked more than 30 miles since I got here on Sunday. I have been walking, not even all over this city. I've just been walking. I try to make it a habit when I land in a new place when possible. I couldn't do it in Johannesburg because of the safety concerns. I try to walk, especially like my neighborhood that I live in, but just like as much as possible to learn the city as quickly as I can. Just driving by in a car or even going by on a bike doesn't have the same effect. But just like walking, you'd be like, oh, there's a restaurant I'd like to go to or there's a place I'd like to shop or there's the grocery store, there's the pharmacy, there's the hotels with the cute rooftops, there are the museums, there are the landmarks. It's just a, a really good way to learn a city. I didn't mean to walk 30 miles though. Like I accidentally walked nine miles yesterday. One of the things I do when I wake up every morning is like I pick a location to go to that's usually about 45 minutes away so I can get my cardio in and and I walk to it. So yesterday on my walk, I ended up passing Buckingham Palace. And since it was like Regent's Park was right there, I just decided to go to the park. Then the sky started to get cloudy. It was beautiful out, like beautiful to the point that I was like, oh my God, like I got on this jacket. Maybe I don't need it. And then all of a sudden it got cloudy because London. So I was walking in Regent's Park and it started to get cloudy. And I was like, what's nearby? So Harvey Nichols was nearby. So I went shopping and then Harrods was near Harvey Nichols. So then I walked there, ended up up accidentally walking nine whole miles when the intent was really to do three. (laughs) My legs hurt. (laughs) And I was like, when do I get back into shape? When, when does this happen? Um, But I love this city. I'm having a ball, even though, you know, sun is hard to come by. But I just came from South Africa. I mean, it stormed every night, but it was sunny every day. London is dope. Some of it is nostalgia from like living here as a kid and getting to retrace my steps and, you know, live the adult version. One of the things that stands out to me is how much I've changed, but also how little I've changed. Things that were of interest to me and things that thrilled me when I was literally 20. 
I'm just turned 20 at that. I still get that same giddy feeling more than 20 years later. I remember being 20-something and thinking 40-something was so old and there was like a way to be and a way to live and this list of accomplishments that you should have and a way of maturity and demeanor that you should carry when you reach a certain age. But the truth of it is, is that you are who you are. A lot of the core things of you are pretty much set. T.D. Jakes just dropped a new book. I think it's called Disruptors. I started listening to it on not really a big audiobook person, but for whatever reason, I just actually wanted to hear T.D. Jakes' voice. It's actually called Disruptive Thinking. He did an interview with Charlemagne the God, and I saw it and immediately went and downloaded the book. He says, um, quote, life isn't just about how many days you spend on this earth. It's about what you can accomplish during those days. And you can't make the impact you're supposed to make if you waste your time worrying about other people's perceptions of you. That is paralyzing. You have to stay focused and keep moving. I read that maybe like four or five times and then was like, let me go get this book. I told you I walked around yesterday for like 10 miles. It wasn't continuous, but I was able to get in like a good three hours of T.D. Jake's book. So if you're someone who is, you know, walking a path that might be unconventional or as T.D. Jake says in the book, like, you know, if you think that you can do more in life, if you want to do more, if you want to do better, if you want to do different, if you feel like there's something bigger out there for you, whether it's just a thought or you're, you know, midway through an idea or something disruptive has happened in your life and trying to figure out how to stay the course or get back on track. He talks about disruptions as a part of life. And one of the things that he makes really plain, and he was like, the people who achieve great things, it's not because their lives weren't disrupted. It was because they kept going despite disruptions. Like if you want to do some dope things, some revolutionary things, some things other people haven't done before, some things that are just, you know, your goals, dreams, ambitions, whatever, how you navigate the disruptions, how you navigate the naysayers, um, determines what you're able to achieve. I know people don't get the travel thing. I know there are people who, you know, might have had an incident like what happened to me and would have shut everything down and been like, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. I think if they genuinely don't want to do it anymore, then they shouldn't. But I don't think that's the right solution for everyone and definitely not the right solution for me. Now, at some point, like I'll go back and I'll rebuild an American life. But that's when I feel like I've finished whatever I'm doing. I feel like most days I'm living at a 10. I feel like I'm living in my purpose. I feel like I'm genuinely happy. I think I've said this before. There's something hugely fulfilling about researching something and planning something and it being big and wild and like, really, D? And then actually it coming to fruition. And so when people are like, oh my God, you should leave, you should go, you should blah, blah, blah. Like, ah. it just tells me how much like people don't get me. But I appreciate the sentiment. I appreciate like, you know, people were trying to say something supportive, even if it wasn't the best thing. I went to the theater last night. <laughs> There's a playwright here that I'm obsessed with. His name is Ryan Callis, Calis, K-A-L-A-I-S. He's British. I don't know if it's Callis or Khalees. Ryan, C-A-L-A-I-S, Cameron. But he's a really popular playwright here in London. Last night I went to see a play called Retrograde. Remember there was this movie and it was like Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, Muhammad Ali, and somebody else. They were all on a rooftop and they were like in this forever conversation. It was a 
film based on a play. So this one is in a similar vein. It's the golden age of Hollywood and Sidney Poitier is offered a lucrative contract that could make him a superstar. And the question is, but what is he willing to sacrifice? So it's the 1950s, 60s, I would guess. And everything is supposed to be a done deal. Sidney Poitier shows up just to, you know, sign his contract. Like he has a bag of groceries in his hand, like he's on his way uptown. And then it turns into this, this 90 minute back and forth of, we'll offer you this, like you can get a whole network deal. But in exchange, we're going to want some things. What would you be willing to do to change the financial trajectory of your life is, is what the premise of the play is. On the surface, this really wouldn't usually be my kind of fair, but the playwright, Cameron, I knew his work because he had this play. I don't think it's his first one, but this was the one, this was the breakout one that really put him on the map. It's called For Black Boys Who Have Considered Suicide When the Hue Gets Too Heavy. Obviously, it's a play on the title of it, Intazaki Shange, for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough. His play is a series of black men discussing their issues. I really, really wanted to see it. It closed literally the day before I arrived in London. So because I couldn't see that one, I was like, well, what else he got going on? I want to see his work. So I went to see Retrograde. Really, really great play. Sometimes I get a little bored at the theater and like zone out. Movies, I can stay all the way through. Concerts and theater, some about live performances. This one, I was all in. I have a whole list of theater that I'm supposed to see while I'm in London. Like I also booked tickets for, what's the name of the play? Idris Elba just invested in it. It's like Mean Girls, but set in a boarding school with Gunyan girls. And then also I, Tina. And the woman who's playing Tina very much is giving all of Tina wigs and legs and all. And I was like, yeah, I think I want to see that. What else have I been watching? Citadel on Prime. You know, I like to watch like shoot 'em up shit sometimes. I need to see people go to foreign lands with big guns and just like shoot up a bunch of shit. This is so bad to say. I watched the Royal Coronation like for the first like 20 minutes. I could not stop thinking about London is Falling. It's one of my favorite movies. That's like some good shoot 'em up shit. That white boy shot up everything. I like Olympus is Falling too. But the whole time I was watching the Royal Coronation, I was just like, yo, what if they start bombing shit? But I think this, like I'm walking around seeing all these landmarks. I'd be like, what if they bomb Buckingham Palace? What if they bomb Tower Bridge? What if they bomb the dungeons? Like I cannot get that movie out of my head. And maybe because I was thinking about that movie is why I started watching Citadel. Citadel is some great shoot 'em up shit. And it's a woman shooting up shit. It's Priyanka Chopra. It's a white boy with her, but I'm really in it for the Priyanka because I just think she's just such like a beautiful, sexy, kick-ass, like bad chick type of woman. I really like her. If you like to see a whole bunch of people shot in a short period of time, it's really good. How to describe it? It's a spy organization is compromised and the remaining spies have to save each other from big, bad Joker level evil. And then I also watched, because I saw this just popped up on Amazon. I watched it this morning, actually, when I was up and refused to get out of bed. I watched the new episode of Citadel. It's on episode four. And then I also saw Air. It's the Air Jordan film starring Viola Davis. I had wanted to see it. I think it came out when I was in... Actually, I know it came out. I don't know if it was when I was in Ghana or in South Africa. Probably South Africa. But I didn't have access to see it. So they were running ads on Amazon Prime. And I was like, well, I wanted to see it. It's really, really good. It's, um, it's a business flick. Which I knew it was about signing Michael Jordan to Nike. Like the building of these two mega brands. Which, by the way, T.D. Jakes in the book I mentioned also has a whole chapter about 
finding the right partnerships um, and doing things differently as a way of disrupting Nike and Michael Jordan and what they were able to build with Air Jordan. And also, in addition to the contract that Michael Jordan's mother negotiated, disruptive as well. I won't give the whole film away. And actually, I could. It's not like people don't know how it ends. Spoiler alert. Michael Jordan signs with Nike and Air Jordan becomes a worldwide global brand. Which, do you know Michael Jordan, in the year of our Lord, 2023, has made $400 million annually in passive income off the Air Jordan brand. When Nike signed Michael Jordan, they expected him to sell $3 million worth of shoes. The first year, he sold $162 million. Now, because his mama is a damn genius and knew her son's worth, she was just like, hey, I know what my son is about to do, and you know what he's about to do. Otherwise, you wouldn't have just put your whole budget into this one person. You see the potential that my son has. So don't just, you know, have feelings about it. Be willing to financially invest in it because you're putting our family name on this shoe. So he needs to get a cut. Nike was like, that's not how deals are done. And she was like, no, no, no. You're creating a whole brand with my family name on it. Not just my son's name. She said, with my family name on it. You're going to have to run him a cut of every item sold that has Air Jordan on it. They really wanted him. So they figured it out. And now this mofo is making $400 million 40 years later off a contract he signed before he even got to the NBA. That's crazy. But not. As I record this, I'm sitting here wearing a Jordan sweatsuit. I bought it because it was cute, not because it was Jordan, but I'm contributing to his $400 million. How much is fucking Nike making? What's the old Chris Rock joke? He was like, Shaq is rich. The person who pays Shaq is wealthy. If Michael Jordan is making $400 million, it's just a percentage of the profits. What the fuck is Nike making? I did write this down. Nike is making $4 billion in annual sales off the Jordan line. Does he make 10% on every sale? Wait, is my math right? Four. I'm like, how many zeros do I need to put in here? His mama negotiated him 10% of every sale? Are you fucking kidding me? They must have renegotiated that contract. There's no way. If you buy a Jordan for $250, Michael Jordan personally gets $25 off that shit. Are you kidding me? His mama should have become an agent. That's insane. Michael Jordan ain't had to do no other endorsements off of anything else ever in life. All he had to have was Nike. God damn. I'm sorry. You know how I am about numbers and budgets. I had no idea. 10%? 10%? I mean, he's worth it. But damn. But really good film. Michael Jordan, or the character playing Michael Jordan, you literally never see his face the entire film. The film is entirely about... Nike and Jordan's mama making this deal. You see Papa Jordan, he's in there. But actual Michael Jordan, he shows up to the deals. You hear his voice in a couple scenes. I think he says hello. That's it. Chris Tucker is also in the film, which I don't remember from the commercials. He should have been nominated for something. Chris Tucker is hilarious. And he's not even trying to be. He's just doing like old black man. I really enjoyed it. If you haven't seen Air, it's definitely worth checking out. Let's see, what else is on our list of things to talk about? I mean, we have good black news this week. Obviously haven't watched because it hasn't come out yet. Little Mermaid, it doesn't come out until May 26th. I, I am excited for this, like I'm seven years old. It's a black princess. 
clips. I've seen the clips in the commercials like everyone else, and it looks beautiful. I'm very excited. But something about seeing Halle Bailey on the red carpet and she was dressed like a silver splash of water, it kind of actually gave me, remember Terminator? Maybe it was Terminator 3? He was like some special kind of metal and they would like cut him in half or like burn him up and then like he'd be liquid and then the liquid would all come back together to become the machine again and then he'd just start killing people. Her dress reminded me of whatever that liquid was. I'm going to call it vibranium just for kicks, even though that's not what it was in Terminator. But I like the idea of Halle Bailey wearing vibranium. That's not the point. The point is she looks so beautiful on the red carpet and it just sort of hit me and I was like, it's real. It's happening. It's almost here. I'm so excited about it. That's how Offset was on the carpet. Offset, he's been quiet lately. I mean, his cousin was senselessly murdered. That will send you into a tailspin and some quiet reflection time. But he showed up on the red carpet with his little girls. Cutest little girls. They had on ball gowns and like red hair. I was like, did y'all put lace fronts on those babies? But it was like a costume dress up Disney kind of occasion. Like I wasn't mad at it in the moment, but they all look so cute. And he looked nice. You know, I love culture. I love that other little girl too. Culture and Kayla. But Kayla, Kayla be serving. Remember she was on the cover of Essence? We talked about her too. Remember the whole family was on the cover of Essence? Cardi had just had the new baby. All of the kids, Cardi's bio kids and her kids in love were all on the cover. And Kayla served. It's like, everybody looks really nice. But that little girl, energy. Also, Offset's been... Dressing like Michael Jackson. It's giving Michael Jackson slash African Middle Eastern dictator. Like, I just, I'm like, I don't know what it's about. I'm not mad at it. I just, I don't, I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know. I didn't see Offset going like MJ vibes, like hip hop vibes. Sure. But MJ vibes. I didn't, I didn't really see that for Offset, but I mean, it's working. It looks nice. Not the direction I expected him to go in. Chloe. I thought Chloe. I like Chloe. I didn't think it was the best hair or dress. She looked beautiful. Her her shape is amazing. Her shape is amazing. The dress wasn't unflattering. It's just, you know, she's always turned up like super sexy all the time. This is how she likes to present herself. Like she didn't look bad, but the way people responded, especially to the hair, we talked about this on a previous episode. Like there are people who get dragged a whole lot and just everything they do, people pounce on. But it's also because they tend to be asshole people. And so when you can take a a chance to be an asshole back to them and give them the similar energy that they put out, that's what people do. Chloe Bailey is really, really sweet. She gives a super sexual image, which everyone doesn't like. But it's not like she's harming anyone. It's not like she's out here dragging people on a regular basis or just being overall fired up and reckless. And she's actually really sweet. So the way people come for her, like just where's all this actually coming from? Like, why do y'all hate this girl so much? She showed up on the red carpet. She had on a yellow dress. She had on like a Diana Ross, Shaka Khan-esque type wig. And people, you know, dragged her over it. And then like on her page, she posted pictures of her outfit. Her caption was the flounder to her aerial. So she has on this yellow dress and she's standing in front of a blue background. The dress has um, some rhinestones, but it's also giving black and white, depending on how the light hits. Her sister is the Little Mermaid, and she showed up to the event dressed like a fish from the movie in support of her sister. I think that's the sweetest, cutest thing ever. 
It's just, it's so like innocent. And then I saw a clip of her on the red carpet and she was holding her sister's little mermaid doll and she's about to lose it. I think she was talking to the black guy from Entertainment Tonight. She was trying not to cry and have her makeup run. And then I saw another clip like her sister goes by on the red carpet and she responds to her sister like her sister isn't her sister. Like she's the biggest fan of this A-list celebrity who just walked by and she gets super giddy. Like you ain't just talk to the girl earlier in the day. If not see her, y'all might live in the same house. But she was like so giddy and excited. And I was like, yo, y'all really turned her, her genuine, happy, excitement, innocent moment of joy for her sister into dragging her wig and her outfit. And people do this every time the girl leaves the house because she's just very like, she's very super sexy. And I was just like, stop looking at her. If, at this point, she going to do what she wants to do. She going to dress how she wants to dress. She going to put on wigs that y'all don't like. She going to sex up every song she sings. It's just what she does. If you don't like it, let her be. She is committed to this image at this point. Let the girl be. She really ain't bothering nobody. I feel really bad for her. And she may not give a fuck. She may have read T.D. Jakes or, you know, somebody spoke to her about disruptions. Maybe she's learned lessons at, how old is she, like 24, 25? Maybe she's learned and internalized lessons that I'm still working on 20 years later, which God bless her. She will have a much easier life. But my God, stop dragging that girl. Also in good black news this week, my friend, my love, my brother, DeMarco Morgan, we talked about him. He's been filling in on GMA3 ever since... um. T.D. Jakes and uh, the blonde girl, not T.D. Jakes, Lord, T.J. Holmes. That would be a scandal. T.J. Holmes and the blonde girl, they had to be sat down because they had that affair and then ABC let them go. It's been a whole thing, but it's also been months and DeMarco's been filling in. He's officially a part of the GMA3 crew now. I texted him last night and I was like, yo, I'm so immensely proud of you. And I was like, and this is just the beginning. I was like, you deserve all good things. And this is a good thing, obviously. And I was like, and there's so much more to come for you. He's just a really, obviously talented guy, obviously attractive guy, but also just a really good dude. Like I've known him for, damn, like if not 20 years, almost 20 years, always been a sweetheart, always been a man of his word, always been consistent and always with that big, pretty, I know it got to be expensive. Like that can't just be genetics. I was like, you had to have braces and you got to have whitening. I was like, you've got a good dental team. With the, always with that big, pretty smile. And my dad hit me. He said, uh, the boy, the boy from Jackson State. I was like, I know you know his name. I know you know his name. One, because we went to an event and DeMarco was hosting. And I swear I introduced y'all because DeMarco went to Jackson State and you went to Jackson State. And you think that your family with every single person who has ever attended or graduated from Jackson State. Like you feel like you know them personally. Also, I'm pretty sure he watches GMA3. He don't talk about DeMarco the way he talk about like Abby or the way he talk about Joy Reid. But DeMarco went to Jackson State. I'm positive my father's been watching GMA3 to watch like, you know, the boy from Jackson State on TV. He said, uh, the boy from Jackson State, your friend? (laughs) He said he got that job at Good Morning America. The boy got the job. (laughs) I love old black men. They're out of their minds the Chris Tucker trajectory (laughs) but congratulations to my dear dear friend I'm so so happy for him I won't tell the story because it's not for public consumption but I was at a really bad time in my life and he poured into me 
And I don't think he even thought he was doing anything special. He was just being himself. But it really, really meant a lot to me. So that's why I mentioned him and that's why I cheer for him and that's why I support him. And that's why I name drop him because I really appreciate him and I'm very proud of him. If he was a derelict mofo, because I know some of those too, I wouldn't be mentioning his ass. I don't want no affiliations with derelict behavior. Ratchetness, that's fine. Derelict, no, no. There was something else really, really good that happened. I want to make sure we talk about it before we talk about Jonathan Majors. And we need to talk about a little bit of Trump too. And George Santos. Oh, Angel Reese. That's not what I was looking for, but she's worthy of discussion. She's on, is she on the cover? I saw she did um, a photo shoot for Sports Illustrated. The swimsuit issue, because she's in bikinis and all the shots that I saw. See, I'm choosing my words carefully, because I like her. Some people would say she's problematic. I think she's adorable. No, she didn't get the cover of Sports Illustrated, but she got shots let me let me phrase this the correct way. She's a beautiful woman. She's a talented athlete. The Sports Illustrated photos, I don't think, highlight the best of her. I'm looking at a picture on Yahoo right now, and their main picture is of her in her LSU uniform when she was competing. I'm going to guess last season. I'm going to guess she probably had on makeup. Most of it has been sweated off because, you know, athletic performance. That photo of her in her natural beauty is more flattering. This candid photo of anything, any of the pictures that I've seen from Sports Illustrated. I would have thought that she just did her own hair and makeup for the shoot. And then I saw pictures of someone doing her hair and I was like, the way she does her own hair or whoever's doing her hair down in New Orleans or Baltimore or whatever does a far better job than what was done to her that day. And I think I've seen the artist before. I was like, that's not your usual caliber of work. Just the makeup for the shoot. Like it just, the posing, like it just, it just didn't all come together. And the guy who did the, um, the photography is a well-known photographer. Like I recognize his name. He used to do a bunch of Essence covers. That's how I know his name. I'm looking at another photo, another candid photo. I think it's after the championship. This candid photo looks far better than this this professional shoot. They ain't do right by my girl. This is not giving by you Barbie. And Angel Reese is just as cute as she could be. Like, you almost got to try hard. Like, the lighting's not right. It's just not giving. They ain't do right by my girl. Because she's a real cute, cute, cute girl. The criticism that I have is not of the the talent it's not of the athlete it's not of angel it's of sports illustrated like i'm glad that she's being acknowledged i'm glad that she's being celebrated i'm glad that she's being seen but this is not mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. she deserved better missy elliott that was the story that we missed i think we talked about it when it was announced that she was being inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame i think she's the first black female rapper to be inducted i think that's what i read she wrote on Twitter, she said, um, quote, as a kid, I would perform for my dolls and in my mind, they were clapping for me. I would pretend I was at the award shows in my bedroom. I would dream I would write and produce for big stars. And now to be a part of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with many of those stars that inspired me is a blessing. I love Missy. I was about to say Missy is underrated, but I feel like Missy is actually quite often celebrated but still could be celebrated more. Like, I love Missy. That was a great era of music. Missy was everything. 
now we got to talk about the ratchet shit. I love it. So often when we talk about ratchet shit, it's about white people or non-black people. Ratchet is not a color. We need to talk about George Santos. He has some federal charges against him. George Santos, for people who don't pay attention, is a lying liar who lies. He's also a member of Congress. He lied about practically everything to get there. I'm pulling this up on the Times in the UK. They begin the article about George Santos. They said the New York congressman who told a series of extraordinary lies about his life and career during his election campaign has been charged with defrauding his supporters by using their donations to buy designer clothes and pay off his credit card bills. The Guardian called him George Santos, liar and fantastic. Fits in with the Republican Party just fine. BBC News has a list of the 13 charges. We won't go through all of them, but there's wire fraud and money laundering. That's what, um, no, I'm not going to bring that up because the, the jury was a mistrial. I'm going to let that go. I owe him that. There's 13 criminal charges. The big three are wire fraud and money laundering, theft of public money, and false statements to Congress. He could face up to 20 years in prison if convicted of the most serious charges. I believe he's going to end up going to jail for this shit. He's like a known lying liar who lies about everything. Oh, no, here's a story. He might not have lied about this or not on the back end. They said he confessed to theft in Brazil. Now, Brazil is also where he was running around dressed as a drag queen. I'm reading this on the Hill. It says George Santos has signed an agreement with public prosecutors in Brazil avoiding prosecution in a 15-year-old fraud case. They said Santos confessed to the theft and agreed to pay restitution and fines in exchange for dropping the criminal charges. He was accused of spending $700 with a stolen checkbook and fake name at a clothing store near Rio de Janeiro. Was he buying clothes for his drag act? I want to know what he bought. Now, also, I think it's worth mentioning that George Santos has pleaded not guilty to the charges against him. He did turn himself in. Hmm. We'll see. Everything they said he did, I believe he did. Because the man lies constantly. Constantly. Speaking of liars, your ex-president, I can't claim him. I can't claim him. He's been doing a lot lately. He was recently found liable of sexual abuse. I don't really know the details of this story. I know the woman who accused him, she's a advice columnist, E. Jean Carroll. And she said that Trump sexually abused her in a department store changing room 27 years ago. I'm reading this on The Guardian. They said the verdict for the first time legally brands a former U.S. president as a sexual predator. But they note that this is a civil case and not a criminal case. So he will only face financial consequences. The jury has awarded her $5 million in damages, $2 million on the sexual abuse count, and $3 million for defamation. He was running around telling everybody she was a liar, and then the jury determined that was a lie. So now he has to pay $3 million for calling a woman a liar when she was telling the truth. Trump has said of this case, not even of the case, of the jury's verdict, that it is a witch hunt. He's still denying that he did anything wrong. He said he's going to appeal. Okay, sure, whatever. You know what's really interesting, though, and this ties into what we're going to talk about with Jonathan Majors, is the day after the verdict, we just said that the verdict came out on Tuesday. On Wednesday, CNN, I don't know what the fuck is going on at CNN right now. 
CNN ran a story about Donald Trump and the, the verdict. I understand it's civil, it's not criminal, and has to pay this woman 5 million American USD dollars partially for sexually abusing her. CNN ran a story with the headline, Trump's latest court loss may not hurt primary bid. How is it possible that you are found liable for sexually abusing someone and you are still a viable candidate for president? And not only are you still a viable president, but a once respected major news organization runs a story, latest court loss. It's not like his legal battle was about something trite. It's about being a sexual predator. Latest court loss is euphemism for found liable of predatory behavior may not hurt primary bid. I don't understand. Jonathan Majors, and this is not a defense of Jonathan Majors. This is just a discussion of of, of what's currently occurring. Jonathan Majors hasn't been convicted of anything. He's been accused of beating this lady ass. He hasn't been found guilty of anything, but he's been dropped from movies. He's been dropped from commercials. His management and publicity team are no longer working with him. People have distanced themselves from him. Like we don't know. And we're not sticking around to find out because you look muddy and messy, which it actually does facts, but you look muddy and messy. And we're not trying to do this, like lay down with dogs thing. Cause you get up with fleas and we're not taking no chances. Like best of luck to you out there, bruh. Like, he's pretty much been written off by everybody except Marvel right now. He's the face of their upcoming franchise, and they've made huge financial investments in this. They're holding off for now, but they're quiet. They're not saying anything one way or another. Trump has just been found liable. I mean, Trump, in addition to everything else, the the inciting of a riot, inject bleach to get rid of COVID. There's very fair people on both sides. Grab them by the pussy. There's so much. And then CNN publishes an article like, yeah, the latest court loss may not hurt primary bid. How is that possible? I mean, I know America is racist, but like, my God, black man gets accused of domestic violence, loses all his projects. Old rich white man is a racist, a bigot, a sexist, a predator, don't read, don't like science, incited an insurrection on the nation's capital. And none of this is hurting his primary bid. That's insane. Also, CNN, I didn't watch Trump's special, Trump's special or Trump's sit-down town hall, whatever it was on CNN. I'm not a fan of Trump. Caitlin, who did the interview, she's a, she was a great White House reporter. I watched her all through the Trump years. She's a good reporter. Um, but then they put her on that news show with Don, then they got rid of Don. She don't have the personality to carry the show. But CNN obviously is making investments in her. They like her. They want her to shine. So they had her interview Trump. I didn't watch it. I heard it didn't go so well, which I was like, did you not expect that? Like Hillary Clinton, seasoned professional that she is, former secretary of state. Like she has dealt with difficult situations and people at one of the highest levels of government for years. She couldn't figure out how to handle Trump. Caitlin is and you thought she would be able to like rein Trump and his bullshit in? I just don't understand why CNN would give him a platform. Are your ratings that low? M- maybe. Because you fired all the people that folks tuned in for. Like, I understand why you fired Chris. I liked Chris. I still like Chris. Chris was fucking up. And maybe Don was too. But I was like, you fired all the people that bring in the ratings. I'm reading this um, recap of the, of the town hall on the Washington Post, which 
there are several, but I picked this one because the headline I think reflects the general sentiment that I've heard from others about what happened on CNN. The headline is CNN leadership under fire after disastrous Trump town hall, a furious backlash raised questions about the future of the chief executive and the larger challenges facing news media going into the 2024 election. Caitlin Collins, I cannot remember her last name for anything. He, this reflects everything that I heard. It notes that, that Trump doubled down on false claims that there was a rigged election, the 22 election was rigged, it was stolen from him, which has been debunked. Didn't, isn't that part of the reason Tucker Carlson got fired and uh, Fox News has to pay like some astronomical amount to um, the people who made the voting machines? Because they accused them of rigging the elections and they were like, oh, there was voter fraud and it was the machines and blah, blah, blah. And then like the vote and then the people who made the machines or one of the people who manufactured the machines sued them and won or they settled out of court. But they had to pay them like some stupid amount of money. Voting machine lawsuit. Fox News agrees to seven hundred and eighty seven million. Correction. Seven hundred and eighty-seven point five. That extra five hundred thousand does count. Seven hundred and eighty-seven point five million American USD dollars in dineros is what Fox had to pay to Dominion. That's who was doing the voting machines for saying that they cheated the election in order for Joe Biden to win. And Trump is still on this bullshit. They need to sue his ass too. Caitlin Collins. I'm gonna call Trump by his last name. Let me do the same for her. If I'm going to call Trump by his last name, let me do the same for her. Collins, she asked Trump about his documents that he removed from the White House, and he told her, quote, you are a nasty person. Nigga, what? I read somewhere he also doubled down on, like, the grabbing by the hoo-ha thing. Oh, here's another article also by the Washington Post. They said, Trump CNN town hall, defending rioters, mocking sexual assault, threatening default. This is the opening paragraph, quote, He refused to acknowledge he lost the last election. He said he pardoned rioters at the U.S. Capitol. He condoned sexual assault and smeared a victim. He wouldn't rule out restoring a policy of separating immigrant families at the border or say if he wanted Ukraine to defeat Russia. He dodged repeated questions on abortion. I'm reading further down in the article now. Despite being found liable of sexual assault, At the CNN town hall, he repeatedly insisted that he did not know the woman. The woman who accused him successfully of assaulting her. He said that she's lying. He mocked her account of what happened. The Washington Post notes that the former president who did not testify at the trial used the CNN town hall setting to debunk Carol's story point by point drawing laughter and applause from some in the audience of Republican and independent voters. They also asked him about his infamous remarks on the set of Access Hollywood, the grab him by the hoo-ha. Actually, let me just quote it because it's what he said, grab him by the pussy. He doubled down on what he said. He says, quote, it happens to be true. I said it's been true for a million years, approximately a million years, perhaps a little bit longer. And so Collins asked him, so you stand by those, the statements. He said, quote, I don't want to lie. The crazy thing is like he seriously has a shot at being reelected. 
Like these kind of flipping answers about like how to govern or about sexual abuse victims. One of his own sexual abuse victims, which he's been found liable for. It's not even like an allegation. Like you've actually been found liable for this shit. When Colin specifically asked him about January 6th, he said of the people, he says, quote, they were there with love in their heart. That was unbelievable. And it was a beautiful day. Why does CNN platform this mofo? Like, shouldn't we be working to deplatform Trump as opposed to like giving him an hour on a major news network? This is one of those moments I wish I still lived in the States. So during and after the town hall, the hashtags boycott CNN, done with CNN and buy CNN started trending. CNN's own on-air talent talked to the Washington Post and said, quote, we did it wrong. This is just on-air personality. They didn't give a name. The person said, we treated him like a normal politician who could be fact-checked. We ended up dancing around a demigod. The Washington Post described the current mood inside CNN right now as quote-unquote dark. They spoke to another staffer who only spoke on the condition of anonymity. That person said, I can't believe anyone thought this was a good idea. I've been a CNN journalist for many years. I've always been so proud to say that. I've never, ever been ashamed of CNN until tonight. Wow. Scrolling this article because I want to see the quote from the head of CNN. This Washington Post article notes that um, the CNN's ratings have slid to historic lows, which did they think this was going to help? Okay, I just found it. This is what the head of CNN said. He said, quote, I am aware that there have been people with opinions and backlash, and that is absolutely expected. And I'll say this as clearly as I possibly can. You do not have to like the former president's answers, but you can't say we didn't get them. America was served very well by what we did last night. People woke up and they know what the stakes are in this election in a way they didn't the day before. He also said Collins' performance as an interviewer was, quote, masterful. And as a moderator, he called her, quote, a rock star. It's me or it sounds like they got something going on. I'm asking a question. I'm not accusing. The way he's defending her when everybody else was like, this whole thing was a goddamn mess. Sir, are you on drugs? Are you cheating with this woman? Are you trying to get at this woman? Because this don't make no damn sense. You're deliberately making decisions that are tanking your network and embarrassing your brand. Why? Oh, dear. Now I feel like I should go back and watch it just to see how bad it was, like the train wreck of it all. Last but not least, we talked about Jonathan Majors a little bit earlier, but we didn't talk about it in depth. Honestly, because there's not much to say. He had his first day in court last week. Let's go to Hollywood Reporter. Since they cut checks to pay my bills on occasion, let's show them some love. The Hollywood Reporter notes, the DA introduced new details into, into the complaint. Jonathan Major showed up. He was there virtually. He didn't say anything other than yes, ma'am. In, in response to the judge asking him questions, his lawyer did all the talking. It says the counts and charges have remained the same, but new complaint language from the district attorney indicates the woman also allegedly experienced injury to her right arm and was pushed into a car by majors in addition to the previously reported laceration to her right ear and finger. The Hollywood reporter notes 
that the complaint no longer includes reports of bruising and injury to the net. In a statement after the hearing, Major's lawyer said the woman involved was quote unquote lying about the alleged incident. She also said that Major's defense team had additional video to back up the claim. If you have this shit, release it. Because your client at this point looks guilty as hell and is losing opportunities left and right. Isn't the lawyer's husband the crisis PR person? Y'all sleep in the same bed and can't work in conjunction on this case? The attorney continued, quote, this is a witch hunt against Jonathan Majors driven by baseless claims. Instead of dismissing the allegations in the face of the woman's clear lies, the DA has adjusted the charges to match the woman's new lies. Jonathan Majors is supposed to be back in court on June 13th. I don't really have nothing more to say about this. I just want the truth to come out, whatever that is. All right, that's the episode for this week. We didn't talk about so much shit. Do we have anything left for next week? We'll be back on Tuesday. Have a beautiful weekend. Talk soon. Bye.